The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the Emir Editor of Provoke, and I am joined today in honour of International Women's Day and Women's History Month by a formidable quartet of female communications leaders, all from Google. First of all, we have Laura Wheeler, who's Head of Communications for Google Cloud UK, I and Meta. Joe Ogunlea runs B2B Communications at Google and YouTube, covering ads, privacy, partnerships and business verticals, and also has a dedicated role um, on developing DE&I networks in the comms industry across the region. And she was also on a previous Provoke Media Innovator 25 for Amir. Delia Williams-Falcon is a corporate communications manager at Google, covering AI, economic impact, workplace sustainability and DE&I announcements as well as Google UK's media measurement and insights. And Sarah Rowley is head of PR and communications for YouTube in the UK. Laura, Joe, Delia and Sarah, welcome to the podcast and thank you all for being here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure. This is like, it's, it's always very nice to have just a load of really cool, strong women in the same room together. Um, Joe, I'm going to come to you first. G- give me a bit of context. What's the size of the comms team at Google? Are you really all women? Yes, the UK team is led by our director of comms, Jen, um, obviously on YouTube, cloud, uh, corporate comms, um, product and Ireland. Um, we're, we're an all women team. Um, but um, the wider the wider business, um, EMEA regions and, and things like that, and global, obviously, um, is, is a bit more balanced. <laughs> um, that's I mean, it's still quite unusual, particularly in tech, isn't it, to have that amount of women at the, the top, especially of the comms function. I thought so. Um, when I first joined, I, I mean, it was a kind of a real pleasant surprise. Um, we have this. Um, this team chat called a uh, UKPR Queens and Kings. And I always kind of had, there was a question mark for the last couple of years about the Kings. Um, but um, no, I've not ever worked in an all women team before. Um, and I've been in-house and an agency, um, some of the largest agencies. So I've worked in really large teams, but um, I wonder, yeah, I wonder if it's kind of, um, it, it kind of speaks to where we can go in the PR industry. And well, where else we can take- do this. Let's hope so. Joe, I'll, st- I'll stick with you. How, is, how has being a woman informed your own kind of personal career journey to this all-women leadership team at Google? Um, I mean, growing up, I was an athlete. I ended up uh, specializing in sport and exercise science at uni. Um, uh, so I've always been very sports obsessed. And, um, you know, when you kind of start out, playing sports as a kid, you're in a very male environment. Um, and so I always really pushed against that. Like, I can do anything. You can't tell me any uh, otherwise. Um, and I think that's really, it's helped throughout my career because, you know, I was in financial services. Um, at one point I was in property. I mean, if you've ever gone to Cannes for any conference, for anything, I used to go for MIPIM, the property conference, when I was in local government. And it's just from the airport to La Croisette, to the to the main road, to the, to the conferences itself. It's just so male dominant. And now, obviously, I'm in tech. Um, but I just feel like that kind of start has always helped me really push against, like, there is no, you know, just kind of delude myself into there is no glass ceiling. Um, I can make it. I can kind of do whatever I want to. Um, but um, also, I, I do feel that, my view as a woman, as a black woman, um, has informed my personal journey, my personal and professional journey, um, because, you know, I spoken on, I'm, I'm comfort- more comfortable speaking on topics which are, you know, beyond my brief and important to my industry, to society. Um, and I think that's important in, in comms, in marketing functions, like having that connection to how consumers, how people, how you know, staff, employees, how everyone's kind of uh, feeling in reality. Um, And I don't think that, and I think that, you know, being a woman has, you know, informed that. Delia, you're sat next to Joe. You're actually both in the same room today, which is, it's always lovely after years (laughs) of doing this, like truly remotely for everybody. How, what's your response to the same 
question how has being a woman informed your journey to this team um i think like the thing that immediately springs to my mind is like my early agency days like my first experience of pr i worked in the finance and professional services team at hill and knowlton and it's i think it's now called hk strategies and there was just this like team of like directors um in our immediate team and they they were so like knowledgeable they were so like powerful they were like this formidable force within the team that they taught me so much but they were also so fun to work with but you also you knew they kept you on top of your game they kept you sharp like mm -hmm. our clients loved us like they basically became part of like the the client teams that they worked for but you also knew not to mess with them and you couldn't let them down and like i kind of still like in the back of my mind as i like go through my career kind of have that impression in my head of like almost like what's possible like as a woman in this field like you can just be so on top of everything like I don't know. So I think they've inspired me and I know some of the stuff that I've learned from them has like gotten me to like where I am today. And was that an all female team as well? So it wasn't an all female team, but there was so it, the MD was a guy, but he was he was great and I think he also empowered the members of his team to be great. Mm -hmm. And that's why like the the layer directly beneath him, like the that team of um female directors, they were given the tools, the access to just be great, essentially, be great and be inspirational. That's fantastic having those role models from the off as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'd say it's made all the difference. Sarah, what about you? What's your uh, experience been? Yeah, I think Delia uh, sort of makes a great point about sort of the role of mentors throughout your career. But I, I would go back even further to sort of school uh, and secondary school and sort of finding that teacher, that mentor equivalent of who has really sort of stayed in your mind, stayed with you as sort of silent cheerleader. Um, definitely, I can think of a couple who just really backed me from the beginning um, in a, you know, a, a, quite a a mixed class, lots of boys, lots of girls, and and sort of just really nurturing you as an individual, um, sort of gender aside. And I think that's helped build confidence. Uh, and that sort of person has sort of stayed with me throughout my career, whether a mentor uh, in the tech industry or, you know, university professor, that sort of thing. Um, I have been in tech for, I would say, 10 plus years. Um, and before Google, I was at an app company called SwiftKey, um, which was a fantastic sort of, um, start off point for the industry it was very very uh, mixed it was sort of male and female domin dominated and i think what was interesting is that in both engineering and arts based uh, backgrounds and subjects we had a real real sort of lovely mix of men and women um i i was a sort of a mixed team of marketers and and comms people and equally the engineers were pretty mixed and i, I appreciate that's quite rare and perhaps not reflective of the broader you know tech landscape but I think that was a, a really lovely reminder um, of of what you know we can all achieve and sort of what women can achieve and and I think I've always from school onwards university um, into employment been lucky enough to sort of not really uh, work with people who don't sort of I don't want to say don't count gender because because I don't want to sort of diminish it in any way but um, you know flat structure sort of see beyond that push you to be your best as Delia says um, and I think another phrase and I think the, the team laughs at me because I sometimes come out with my quotes but I just love the phrase if you can't see it you can't be it and I've always had these fantastic male and female mentors who you know have given me the confidence to go a little further whether it's um, you know pushing for a pay rise or the next step in my career development um, or that next exciting project which is a bit scary and which I could be embarrassed to ask for but they've done it they've uh, you know encouraged and inspired me to do it um and i think that's been a great stepping stone for me so yeah definitely agree with delia on that one laura the the mentorship comes up again and again as a really important thing particularly for for women in the industry has that been part of your journey yeah so just to everything sarah has just said completely resonates with me but i think what's very interesting about my background is that i'm actually a scientist by training so i studied biochemistry and working in the field of science, uh, we are even struck with 
even less female representation. So mm -hmm. then coming to the world of where science collides with technology, um, I found myself often being in previous roles, the only female at the table. So I think for me, I've been really fortunate in that most of my career career positions, I've had female leaderships. So especially kind of coming to Google, but Previously, having these, as I think uh, Sarah put it, silent cheerleaders, have, for me, from a mental perspective, has been incredibly important. So following that through now, I do try to be a mentor myself. So whether that be kind of really casually online, speaking to people on LinkedIn, meeting people for coffee. I know Jo certainly does this a lot, really great with her networking, and just making sure that we can share our expertise to others who might be in similar positions. And it's, it's really beautiful when we talk about mentoring. Um, I recently did like kind of a roundup of our how we supporting communities, um, DEI communities over the last year at Google in the comms team. And so many of our team are Taylor Bennett Foundation mentors. So I'm a, I'm a trustee of the Taylor Bennett Foundation, which exists to um, uh, support and uh, get, give access to people from um, racially diverse backgrounds into the communications industry. But I know Laura is one of the mentors on the, on the scheme. And before I even joined Google, the team were already involved. And I just like, I love that that's kind of core to our culture. Yeah, it absolutely is. And that's from giving masterclasses and sharing your expertise. Obviously, everyone's excited to hear what happens behind the scenes at Google, but then also doing individual mentoring sessions. For me, I get as much from my mentoring sessions with the Taylor Bennett Foundation as hopefully my mentee does. So it's a really great organisation and something wonderful to participate in. It's an amazing organisation. I'm so um, pleased to see that it's, it's been embraced as much by in-house teams as it has been by agencies as well. And we, we're hugely admiring of the, the work they do there. It always seems pivotal to a, a real shift in culture and organisation, actually taking action to, to support that younger generation as well. Um, now, you've, you've all got to a a, a pretty good place in your careers by just judging on kind of titles and, and paths alone. But how do you, where do you go from here? How do you, how are you navigating the next steps in your career? Joe, I'll come to you first with that one. It's a bit of a funny one, really, because I've always been so single-minded about my career. I think, you know, from my really early 20s, I was like, I'm going to spend the next 10 years just killing it. I need to get to an absolutely um, secure and senior position because by the time I want kids, you know, I, w I just want to feel that sense of security. Whereas, you know, I started out very junior in agencies. Um, actually, before you know, after my first internship, I think I was on like a contract and then another contract before I, you know, secured that kind of role. So I just didn't know where it would end up. Um, but I've always been I've always been very kind of single minded about career progression. And it's only actually joining an organization like Google where it's kind of the reality is your career can look like like anything. You know, we've got people who came from like the White House and now are in comms doing something or, you know, then they move to marketing or then they move to partnerships. So, you know, I'm kind of open right now um, in terms of how how to navigate the next steps, mostly because the last few years have been just so wild, like um, moving, joining Google during the pandemic um, or even just thinking about what your career is going to look like during something like the pandemic really kind of changed my my focus so more than career alone you know all of a sudden I was I you know I always seen myself as an adventurer and I've not been great at putting down roots I grew up all over the place my family are all over the place um but kind of being stuck at home you know all of a sudden I was like you know I'm gonna look into buying a property and like you know <laughs> um security is what's important and you know um so I, I, I definitely, in terms of navigating my next steps, I keep conversations open. Laura talked about networking. Um, I, I'm really doing my best to network internally to understand what other people's careers have looked like, to understand how people have gotten through promotions, to understand, you know, kind of all of that. Um, and, and that's kind of, I, I don't think I have like a decision on exactly what, you know, a next step would look like, but I'm, I'm super open and I always, always keep an open channel to those kind of communications to kind of inspire me. You know, I don't want to have one idea and, and, and stick with that one idea kind of single-mindedly the way that I used to. Um, so yeah, I'm just really open to opportunities um, here and beyond. It sounds like there's a lot of opportunity at Google. Obviously it's a, a massive organization. D Delia, what are your next steps do you think? 
Um, well, in terms of how, like, there's a lot that Joe has said that kind of um, it, it has definitely like crossed my mind. In terms of like how I've approached my career, I've kind of seen like early stages of my career as an opportunity to like learn, explore, take on new challenges, like just try new things. And I think like agency was great for that because I had a wide variety of clients like when I was there, like what, like before working at Google, I worked at Heathrow Airport. And even though like in some people's minds, it was very much like aviation infrastructure, there were all sorts of weird, random and wonderful things that would pop up from like the Olympics and like working with um, Team GP on like helping to bring the athletes home and like dealing with the sports journalists covering that to um, government campaigns as well. Like, for example, like the repatriation of like like basically people coming from Afghanistan and working with the home office to ensure that that was like covered as like sensitively as possible. Um, and I think one random one was when I worked with um, the Japanese government on like Shinzo Abe's visit to the UK when he came over as well. So that was great for sort of like trying new things. So and you could do anything. Like oh. <laughs> what you're saying is, I'm saying I've done a lot of stuff. And um, Google has also been like, it, it was almost like a no brainer when the opportunity like popped up because even though, cause I know for a lot of PRs and it was one of the things I, considered at the start of my career was like when you go in-house it almost feels as though okay you're hunkering down you're gonna become a specialist on like this topic but like google the google verse is mm. like so varied and there's so many different things that you can learn here like whether it's like the youtube side of things and more like music whether it's the corporate bit that i sort of like live in and things is so i don't know i think this part of my career has been really good for like exploring trying new things and learning but in terms of like what comes next i almost want to try everything so that further on in my career I can almost say like I've done it I know what I like and what I'm good at and to like when like you know children come into the picture or motherhood comes into the picture when they say like oh can you take on this thing that will have you answering calls in the middle of the night I can kind of be like oh I've, I've done that before I'd like to hand the opportunity off to someone else mm. so that's kind of the way that I've broken that down in my head I'm not sure how realistic that is because I am a live to work kind of person <laughs> we'll come back to motherhood in a second but I, Laura what what's what's next for you and how are you navigating oh. the Google <laughs> well I don't know if you could call me a bit more seasoned in the PR world because I've been in this industry for about 15 years um, so for me I'm really focused on building my leadership skills so I've been honestly I've been musing on this so much because I've spent the last few years really trying to hone my leadership skills and build on them so one of the great things about working at Google is our teams really really do invest in our future so at the moment I'm doing an internal leadership course for communications professionals which has enabled me to network with colleagues all over the world and learn from them um, and then secondly, I have recently taken part, well, taken part, studied at Cambridge University for their Rising Women's Leadership course, which was absolutely amazing. I mean, if anyone is looking to do a course which will help build and nourish you as a, as a female leader, that's definitely the course to take. Um, but I've been, as I mentioned before, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, so kind of in the long term, for me, I'm thinking about how I can build on certain skills. So and what I want to be as a leader. So for me, that's being thoughtful, passionate. And, and I think certainly working at Google, you do need to also be creative. So when I look at my kind of five year roadmap, I'd obviously ideally like Google with a bit more of a strategic communications remit. Mm -hmm. um, I think Joe summed this up. I don't really, it's a bit of an odd one. I don't really have all the answers yet, but obviously I'd like to get to a place where I trust my judgment, judgment more. I feel more confident and empowered to teach others whilst also leading by example myself. But Laura, um, you, you're another example of you could do anything. Didn't you, um, weren't you kind of a columnist for a while there? Yeah, so I, in my spare time, I used to blog for the Huffington Post and just write about the intersection of technology and science. It's that writing is certainly a passion of mine. It's something I do on the side. Uh, during lockdown, I wrote a book um, yet to be published. So if anyone is interested. Um, Ooh, yes. what's, what's that on? Um, so <laughs> it's nothing to do with communications. It's a fantasy book. Um, 
but I, I just love writing and I think that probably does shine in all of the work that we do at Google trying to think creatively can sometimes be a challenge I think for me I work for Google Cloud's business so a lot of the PR I'm doing is B2B so trying to invoke a bit of creativity that spark of interest be a bit fun be a bit googly google is known for being creative and mm. um, so those are the types of skills i'm really trying to improve on as a leader in our comms team i love for you i uh, love that you said you've got a five-year roadmap I, i'm 50 this summer and i don't think i've ever had one and i'm not sure if i will so i'm in awe of anybody who's that strategic <laughs> to be in five years and let's see where i am <laughs> Um, Sarah, coming to you. What are what are the next steps for you? I know you're on you're on mat leave at the moment, so thank you especially for joining us. What what happens next after this? Well, I'm glad you said you don't you're 50 and don't have a five year plan because I I've talked about this with colleagues and my manager. I have never really thought. I've always sort of taken the future in sort of 18 month chunks and haven't really looked much beyond that. Um, and it seems to have served me okay so far. I think. There's sort of two answers to this question for me, and one is the sort of immediate YouTube, uh, you know, next steps at Google. Uh, like others, I think Google gives you such a sort of a, a myriad of options for uh, progressing your career. Um, I think one thing that has helped me is is sort of making that leap. As I said, getting the people behind you to to enable you to make that leap. I think before YouTube, I was at Google Health. Before Google Health, I was at DeepMind working on pretty esoteric AI, and before that, I was at SwiftKey and Comic Relief. So it, I've, I've sort of jumped quite randomly around things. Um, and I, I would say YouTube was sort of the biggest jump I've made, um, quite daunting at the time. But I, I think it was so brilliant at Google. I sort of suggested it to my, my manager and it, you know, on a bit of a whim and it came to fruition. Um, and it was a big, big learning curve, but it's that sort of thing where you just have to have that a bit of blind faith really so immediate action I, i'd love to sort of stay at youtube i think laura talked about leadership skills i think i'd really like to hone sort of really really improve and, and hone my public speaking skills because i think that is such a sort of powerful tool throughout your career whether it's just presenting to a group of colleagues that you're familiar with at work or you know externally it's a good way of build building your brand um to use that overused phrase it's 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 just something that i have noticed in some of my colleagues it's something that makes you sit up and notice it just shows competence it shows confidence and it makes people listen to what you, you want to say um and i think certain cultures do it better than others um i don't i didn't really have a particular sort of uh skill set in public speaking uh from school but it was like doing sort of local radio work or acting or performing and sort of hobbies around the side that i think um helped me um but that's something that i really want to keep working on as well because it's such an asset to to uh employer and employee really and then uh, i know you said you're coming on to motherhood so i will keep this quite brief but i think immediate future it's really about sort of balance and really trying to keep and maintain and pursue that challenging and meaningful career without necessarily compromising on on time with my children being present for them you know I've got one that's about to go into school in September so you know we'll have to start doing pickups at 10 to 3 and we've got a newborn baby so I think that is something um that I am very very mindful of at the moment and I have thoughts on that but um I will talk about that in the upcoming maternity section can I just ask as well, like you, I always saw you as quite fearless. I know you're talking about jumping around within Google, but like you mentioned local radio, weren't you a radio presenter or host? And like <laughs> you've written a book, like you've written, I, I, you have to tell the story about your Twitter page book thing, <laughs> because I find stuff like that inspiring genuinely because you gave it a go. You know what I mean? You've, you've, you've tried these things. You've had a really diverse career. <laughs> Joe is Joe is the champion and, and the and the silent cheerleader I was talking about, Maya. She has written a book and is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in brief, yes. I I well the, the slightly more amusing story is I did local radio, uh Radio Jackie in Tolworth in Surrey a few years ago, and I was a travel news presenter um when I hadn't actually passed my driving test. So that was that was excellent string to my bow. But I did love I do love that sort of thing. And I think like out external pursuits like that really help enrich your career and, and inform it but what the others are very kindly talking about um are is a book i had published in lockdown called latin rocks on because i did classics and french at university and <laughs> i i'm quite very very keen on removing its sort of 
slightly priggish elitist uh, perception that it has with a lot of uh, people. Um, it can be fun, it can be silly, it can be accessible. So I translated uh, pop lyrics into Latin. Uh, oh my God, I love that. <laughs> and actually it sort of it started as a Twitter page and it sort of um, snowballed with um, Mary Beard, Hugh Bonneville, uh, you know, tweeting support and uh, quotes and yeah it was lovely and um the team are very kind about it it's not something and perhaps it should be and that's perhaps something I should work on but it's not something I always bring up proactively but it was great fun if a little random um but yeah it was published in lockdown I'm I'm absolutely loving that you're such an advocate of Latin I did Latin <laughs> A level and it's such a huge I mean it's just I've I've been I'm pushing my my kids don't have access to it at their state yeah. secondary but my my um, nephew does, and I just was really encouraging him to take it for GCSE, and he has chosen it. And I just said, it's the one subject I studied at school that has really shaped my understanding of language and writing. Absolutely, and that's fantastic. The world yeah. is amazing. And I'm I totally with you on removing that kind of the Boris Johnson label yeah. in the classics, because yeah. they are it genuinely enriches your life, understanding the roots of language. So yeah. I am and going to go and read your book, I promise you that. <laughs> no, but I think I think what it is as well, it's I had a couple of quite tedious teachers that didn't help, but then I had a very, very inspiring uh, I, hope, I hope the tedious teachers are listening today. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be really careful, I don't put my foot in it, but uh, going back to what I was saying at the beginning of court of the session um yeah it was a teacher that really helped instill it and just show how exciting you know the, the myths the stories the wonderful logic and like you know, sort of the poetry of the language but it's also very mathematical anyway i this isn't about latin but i i'm totally <laughs> with it. um and do we'll another one on latin. Yeah. <laughs> i think we need a separate podcast on latin <laughs> <laughs> let's totally do that i was just about my latin teacher was a bit of a perv but you know a lot of them were back in those days <laughs> Hopefully not listening. Highly unlikely. Um, I, let's let's just like I want to stay with you, Sarah, because yeah, like you have just you have touched on on the, on motherhood. How has the reality of that impacted your your role and career and the way you think about work? Yeah, that it is. Uh, God, it is seismic. I think. Um, I I didn't think it would affect my decisions and my decision making as much as it has um probably quite naively uh, I don't know if you're a mother but <laughs> it is quite life-changing um yes I, I think I've got used to it with my second child but I do think um with the sort of the work relationship how I've been sort of work with colleagues and managers at work they have just made it so much easier um if I can say on this call that I am currently remote working um which means I've sort of moved slightly out of London um, and I'm on maternity leave at the moment as you say but it's it sort of gives so much more flexibility and I think it's been wonderful to have this sort of deep like reciprocated trust with people I work with um, who who are sort of don't really laugh at or or well not laugh at but don't in any way question the fact that you want to keep progressing pushing yourself in your career but you also have uh, something very very important that is also time consuming um and also means a lot to you and and someone quite wise said to me i was telling them i was prepping for this um podcast and they said um i, I can't take this as my own but they said you know you can i think women can have it all you just can't have it all at once and i thought that was such a a clever and thoughtful thing to say because I do think you know sometimes you also have to sort of think about when you're going to make that massive push in your career mm. when you might be a bit strategic and step back for a bit and and sort of the levers to pull uh, and, and to know when really um so I'm still figuring all of that out but I think I've had a pretty uh, it's been a pretty encouraging um few years for me in terms of where I work and who I work with um it is challenging um and I'm sure other other mothers um and sort of would-be mothers are thinking the same um, because it's two competing very, very big priorities in your life. Your 30s uh, are a bit of a time when you're a little bit on fire in many ways. You're doing so much. It's formative in so many ways in that you're trying to progress your career. You're trying to have children, uh, get a house, as Joe was saying, like it's all coming in a rush. And, you know, it's, it's all, almost too much of a, a perfect storm at times. But um, I think it's about navigating and and sort of learning on the job both as a mother and you know um professionally as well um i do think if i can get on my soapbox for a minute childcare provision in this country is a little bit woeful um yeah. and the system on the whole does seem rigged against women progressing and developing in the workplace um 
this is absolutely nothing to do with where I work, but you know, the cost of childcare um, is very, very timely at the moment, very topical, lots of, you know, campaigns going on about it at the moment. And I'm lucky enough that it doesn't really perhaps affect me as much as others, but it's just, it does feel that it's just a constant fight and one that women really do, and men as well, have to sort of keep um, keep progressing and, and keep sort of shouting about. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. It's got to be one of the, one of the, maybe if not the number one thing that's, that's still holding yep. women back. Mine are a bit older now. I've got two teens, but there's still the having those boundaries between home, uh, the pressing needs of home, and the pressing needs of work is it's it's a really it's a really tricky juggle. You know, yeah. and it continues to be so in different ways as as they get older. I'm I'm not going to lie. I still find it difficult, and I don't see my two most of the time. Um, <laughs> Uh, none of the others, none of the rest of you are mums just yet. Any plans? Yeah, I'm happy to chime in here. Um, I think, firstly, I have been inspired by some of our leadership teams at Google. I've seen firsthand how a good leader with children can actually change the lives of mothers and fathers at Google. We have to remember as well, it's not just mothers coming back to work, it's fathers too. Um, from my perspective, I'm probably not going to be the best example of this because I think I'm probably a person who has completely sacrificed her career for um, personal pursuits like having a family. Um, for me, I I think Sarah said this, this is, you know, your 30s are where you're suddenly flourishing in your career. And that's exactly what happened to me. I feel that I hit my 30s and my career just started taking off. And it's always been a massive priority for me. And it's been actually my own baby. It's been my love of my life. Um, but for me, I've been uh, I, one of the interesting things that the rest of um, my team know this is that I did decide to freeze my eggs as given myself a bit of insurance policy. I feel personally really fortunate that I'm able to even say that I've been able to do that. I know not everyone is in the same position because it's not only incredibly brutal in your body, it's also financially brutal. It's brutal in your bank account, that's for sure. Um, so I'm lucky I've got that insurance policy and with the hope of one day maybe being a mother. But for me, I've all, and certainly working on the Google PR team, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is incredibly hard, demanding, but also equally satisfying and exciting. And I want to get up every morning to come to work. So I do think, is it you can't have it all at the same time? I'm, I'm totally cannibalizing poor Sarah's quote there. Um, I'm not sure if I agree or not because I don't necessarily have everything I want right now but certainly I have the career I want. I just wanted to interject on um, the point that you made Laura when you said about like egg freezing um, being brutal on the bank account because I don't know I guess it also links back to like actually having the child is also expensive because I was speaking to um, one of my colleagues who also works in comms and she was talking about she's telling me about like the process and everything and she was also talking about the fact that you pay egg rent and I was like oh wow like how much are you paying on egg rent and like if you can't pay the egg rent what happens she's like well if you can't pay the egg rent you probably can't have the child so I just I just thought that was interesting oh wow I've not heard that Delia but yes you do have to pay egg rent which is just doesn't it sounds pretty gross doesn't it um, so you do have to pay egg rent. So it's certainly financially quite crippling. So at the same time, I feel fortunate that I am in that position where I can do it. Does does that? Um, I, I really admire that, Laura. It's like you've you've properly you've properly thought ahead in all sorts of in all sorts of ways about I your really very fulfilling career. But does that feel like? You know, I don't have that. I'm, I'm a bit older than you, so that's not a conversation I have among my peers very often. But does the egg freezing conversation come up, come up a lot among women in their 30s at work? Well, honestly, I think maybe I, perhaps I was a bit blind to it before I decided to em embark on that journey myself. But now I've started really openly talking about it and I will probably write about it at some point. Um, it really, really is. It's coming up all over the place. And for me, I'm happy to share my story because, and this is definitely one for a whole separate podcast, my experience didn't go as, as I was hoping it to go, unfortunately. Um, and I think I went in with a lot of assumptions, the fact that I am physically well, that I have the money, that I was able to carve out some time for it, that I would just be really successful in, in being able to freeze my eggs. But it, it, unfortunately, it didn't work out quite like that for me. Um, and since I've been sharing my story, because a lot of people 
are, are experiencing the same thing in silence and not talking to others, not talking to peers or not um, learning from other people's lived experiences. I found that so many people are doing the same thing. They're looking into it, they're researching it, they're saving their money for it. They're trying to learn about the science behind it, which for me has been probably the most fascinating part of the process. Um, I've just absolutely embraced all of the science and just think the science is amazing that we're actually able to do this. Um, but yeah, it's really surprised me that more people are thinking about it, more people are doing it and more people are discussing it. And social egg freezing is a bit of a, a new phenomena and the technology over the last five years has improved dramatically. So I think this is only gonna become hot on the agenda of most working female professionals who are perhaps not in the right social environment they're not maybe settled down with a partner or they're maybe just wanting to postpone having a family until they're a bit more settled in their career but i've certainly found that since i've started talking about it more people are coming out of the woodwork yeah i i plus one to that that's is joe here um when i started i started thinking about it last year because a friend had done it in her late 20s um and i was like what an insurance policy like that's just outstanding if only we had access to this stuff like from day dot you know what i mean how empowered would women be about the choices we could make over the years by the time i had the consultation um i found out and this is something which um comes up a lot within the black community or black women community fibroids um so when during my co consultation i found out i had fibroids um and I've always had like, you know, terrible pain and I've always had to, you know, now we've got such flexible working, but throughout my career, I've always had to work from home during my time of month and, and just, you know, um, I was going to mention one of my favorite women focused campaigns later is um, Ketchum's Pain Stories, um, because they they really brought that to the for forefront with body form. Um, but, you know, I found out so much about myself just from going to this consultation around egg freezing and to Laura's point about the conversation coming up, coming up, coming up. Once I started saying to people, this is what I'm thinking of doing, the amount of people who talked about their own consultation, we then also have, we have the Black Googler Network at work, which is a employee resource group for um, the Black community at Google. And they hosted, they had a, um, not fertility, an OBGYN, is that an American term? Yeah, Obs and Gynae, that's English yeah. as well, yeah. She had, um, they had, they had an uh, Obs and Gynae um, doctor come in um, and speak to us. I think it was around International Women's Day last year. And the, when this came up, everyone's hands came up. Everyone was talking about it. Everyone was, you know, everyone had an experience or had a consideration or, or had learned something. So I think it is really, really important. And I just wish that, you know, access to something like this was something we could all have very early on, because I, I just think it, it's it's hugely empowering. You know, um, my, I have another friend doing it right now. Um, and I, yeah, I, I think empowering is the word, um, as well as expensive. I think to date, maybe it's been also a bit taboo. Mm -hmm. um, and that's perhaps why people haven't been talking about it, but it, it absolutely shouldn't be. I mean, I think it's going to, as I mentioned before, because the science and the technology has improved so much. And I think, you know, you can, the costs are coming down, certainly. So I think it should just be a natural conversation for mm. females to have when they're at this stage of their career where you're wanting to be empowered with choices. So for me, this gives a great opportunity not to make, you know, criminal love life decisions, which I have to done to date, <laughs> or <laughs> I, I can focus more on doing important Tell us more, Laura. <laughs> It's amazing that we're, we can, I mean, it's, it's the taboos around women talking about what is happening in their bodies and the choices they have to make. I mean, up until a couple of, I'm just saying, so, thank you both so much for sharing, sharing those really personal stories. And I, it's, it's, it's similar. It's like a couple of years behind the, the menopause conversation, isn't it? There's all this mm -hmm. stuff we weren't able to talk about, about what's happening in our bodies that fundamentally affects the way you perform, the choices you make as women. And uh, I think it's just so empowering that we're able to talk about that now in a very public way without shame um, and uh, or embarrassment. I just think that is such a huge stride forward for women generally at work. I wanted to ask you, you touched on, Joe, um, the that campaign you love, the, the, the body form campaign. Tell me all of you in turn, and Joe, I'll come back to you so you can talk to me a bit more about that one. Tell me about the women-focused products, campaigns, policies you love. You've both, you've all 
said a little bit about Google's policies, but what what was really inspired you about where you're working today, about the work you're seeing, the creative work you're seeing around you now? Joe, I'll start with you for that one. You know, I'm really easily inspired, so I'm constantly looking for sources of inspiration, but I love when it just, you know, it kind of falls into my lap. So um, working at Google, you know, you have that kind of intersectionality of tech and policy or tech and issues or tech and societal um, and things. And one example um, from last year, which um, also made me look differently about how I do my job um, or how I approach my job. But um, we um, so I obviously work, I work in B2B and that means um, working in ads, privacy and so on. Um, and we we gave users more controls over sensitive advertising categories around pregnancy and parenting, dating, weight loss. And, you know, at the time, oh, it might have been even the year before, but at the time, you know, I was still, I think, thinking of um, B2B as, you know, we need to tell these stories to advertisers. Um, and, you know, I got some great coverage in in trade publications and, and those kind of publications. But I remember my colleague in France landed this same story about the controls that, you know, if people don't want to see from whatever's going on in their lives, they don't want to receive ads about weight loss. They don't want to receive ads about dating and they don't want to receive um, ads about pregnancy and parenting. Um, and that's obviously a wider consumer story. So, you know, I remember one of my colleagues, I think she landed a piece in in GQ in France on this same story. And I just, I loved to see how our kind of policies, the comms work that we do, and the issues which are very real to consumers and how they use the internet. Um, I kind of love to see how, our, how my job um, interplays with all of that. Um, so that's just an example of a policy that I love. You know, I mentioned the um, the period pain story, the period pain work that Ketchum did with um, body form earlier, because that was amazing to someone whose career has been so defined on a monthly basis by the pain that she goes through. Me, me um, I don't know why I'm talking about myself in mm -hmm. third person, but um, that was amazing to see that on LinkedIn. You know, and now you're seeing kind of, um, you know, the Crown Act or in the UK, it's called the Halo Act. You're seeing all of these campaigns around black hair on LinkedIn. And I just think that the conversation's moving, the conversation shifting. And I, I really hope it's not tokenistic. You know, I hope it's not just we're going to talk about it during Women's History Month. I, you know, I've loved hearing today you talking to Sarah, talking to Laura and saying, you know, that's another podcast because these issues, these issues are uh, what's the word? They're ongoing. They're evergreen, right? It's not just about international a campaign, exactly, or a month, or a, month, or a week, or any lives, essentially, exactly. or an awareness day. It goes beyond that. So, yeah, I just those are just some examples of how I'm loving to see, you know, our products, campaigns, and policies kind of intersect with communications. And and you know, when it comes to safety, even um, you know, I asked a colleague about how our phones are helping people, and you know, I think this conversation was really intensified last year about how are people getting home safe you know, late at night or how are women specifically getting home safe late at night mm -hmm. and the, the the way that phones can be updated to to, to 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 support that and increase that. And when I say phones, I mean Pixel phones, we work for Google. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Android phones as well. Let me you know, let me roll back. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I just um I think I've already asked the question so I'm gonna stop speaking. But um that's what I'm enjoying more than just, you know, a singular policy. And I think Sarah also talked to, as well about the fact that she's working remotely and I love to kind of see how that plays out for her. Yeah, uh, thank you, Joe. That's great. It's uh, it is very much. Hopefully, we're talking about like proper movements in society rather than moments. But um, I, I, you know, we we can but hope. Delia, what's inspiring you at the moment? Um, so in terms of like internally within Google, like one of the other employee resource groups, ERGs that we have is the state of black women. So essentially it's like, uh, it, it, the group kind of looks at the intersectionality, like within the feminist space. So it's like, I think like black women face different challenges, essentially and different struggles. And it gives us a place to talk about that, particularly like in the tech industry, which isn't necessarily particularly black overall and isn't necessarily female so I think it's it's really lovely and inspiring to have that space to talk about um some of the issues that we might face day to day and also to I don't know to almost have like role models within the business that we can call on if we're ever like in doubt or want to get a second opinion on something so like, I think internally I, I really love the fact that Google offers um that space 
And then in terms of some of the like external campaigns that we like, well, that I work on in the corporate side of things is um, the Google for Startups Black Founders Fund. So everything like startups kind of falls into my world because that talks about how like Google is working to help the government achieve their ambitions of making the UK a tech and science superpower. And like all these early stage startups are a big part of that. So in um, 2021, so this is actually before I joined, um, Google launched the Black Founders Fund. So it's a fund specifically aimed at tackling the inequality in um, venture capital funding because um, I don't know how frankly I'm going to speak on this. Speak frankly, <laughs> speak on it, speak on it. No, I'm, I'm just saying like a lot of the time I, I imagine because I'm not a venture capital investor myself, but I imagine that a lot of people kind of they're looking for the next Zuckerberg or the next um, Larry and Sergey because let me speak to the business that we work at. But um, I think this like fund its aim is to like change what people think a founder could look like and and yes yeah, it's, it's been it, it's incredible working with the the founders of these incredible products and also some of the challenges that they're up against and the pace at which they're working and um, when I speak to the people like the startups that have come through the program, they talk about how being able to go into some of those like pitch rooms, like with investors and talk about the fact that they have like Google's backing, like Google's paying attention to their business. Like people sit up differently and they pay attention during their pitches more. And I think that's really like powerful in terms of how like being part of a company that is enabling people to like build and grow and like invest in their own communities in that way. So and I guess a lot of them are women. Yeah. Yes. So that's the other thing with the Black Founders Fund. Um, I feel like the is it forty percent or more are like um, startups led by like black women as well. So it's incredible to see some of the um, work that they're doing, and also to like help and um, get on my like megaphone and to shout about it. So like that's it's a it's a great one to work on. Um, so like there's the Black Founders Fund, but there's also the Girl Guiding um, campaign that we have as well. So again, that reality within tech that um, basically there's almost like this age that like girls sort of get to. So when like, you start off like really young in primary school, girls and guys are, are sort of like exploring like STEM subjects almost at, at like an equal rate. And then almost before they hit their teens or as they hit their teens, there's this idea of like, oh, okay, STEM subjects are for boys. And then like the arts, that's kind of what's for girls. And um, we have a partnership with Girl Guiding where um, we've like, uh, some of the women engineers at Google have helped to co-create these activities um, where like girls can sort of like interact with concepts like um, like AI, like chatbots and um, algorithms and programming essentially at a very like early age, like very like fundamental level so they can get familiar like with the technologies, but also to have that connection point with some of the like women engineers working here so that they know that this is a space that like they can feel comfortable in and they can own. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that's like really cool to work on. And I, I feel like we're like five or six years into that partnership. I'll, I'll be curious to sort of see like the long term impact of it. You're telling like every single person on that program to keep in touch with you in 10 years time. <laughs> yes. That's super cool, Delia. I love it. All really future facing stuff as well. Sarah, what about you? Tell me about the women focused products, campaigns, policies that you're loving at the moment. Well, I have to say, uh, and not just to plug my own product, but I think on uh, on a YouTube side, I think what's fantastic about the, the an open platform like YouTube is that it's, it's, it's sort of truly democratic. And I've worked with some brilliant female entrepreneurs um if i can shout out a few people like lily sabri and caroline gervin who are fitness gurus um and these are women that i've worked with female creators and they're absolutely fantastic great sort of inspiration to me and people i always use, try and use in our, our pr campaigns because they've also built brands but they've also built businesses that allow other people to work and sort of in, you know built employment for other people through uh, their online channels um, and they're just sort of really savvy people um, I think we also have a, some great initiatives through YouTube Music and other sort of strands within the business we work with Music Managers Forum which is really really emphasizes partnerships um, that support female managers specifically mothers um, from the start of their careers. Sarah that's actually really interesting I didn't know this is Joe speaking but I didn't know about that the mothers the music the of their careers. Partnership with Music Managers Forum, yeah. I mean, there's so many initiatives that YouTube Music work with. I can't say um, I, I'll be here all day if I see them all, but I think I think that's something that YouTube does particularly well. Um, 
but also on a broader um, perspective, I know we're coming to the end here, um, but I think, you know, I, I mentioned it before, but some of these big uh, partnerships, you know, Grazia Magazine have done particularly well in this, Juggle, um, working on these sort of grassroots uh, childcare campaigns. They they are really, really petitioning government, making the voices heard, interviewing people, um, social media in the magazine weekly, um, and really trying to sort of move the needle on, on childcare in this country, uh, which I mentioned before. Uh, and finally, on a slightly lighter note, but I think equally important, there is an account I follow online, which I won't mention, but um, because I can't remember the name, but um, it, it's, it's really just sort of daily inspirations because it's about, you know, not just adding uh, a sort of apologetic, just calling to say, like, take the just out of your email. Mm -hmm. um, don't add a no worries if not don't add that exclamation mark to appear likable uh, and i'm not saying don't be likable but i think there's just there's just things that i would i don't want to speak for anyone else but i do personally that sort of a vaguely um you know indirectly ap apologetic um in a way that uh, you know perhaps other people um and and men may not be and i'm i'm really don't mean to generalize but um yeah i follow this great account that calls out those sort of um moments every day that mm. are just sort of um insidious to everyday life and it sort of i it calls me up on it so i, I think there's a a lot to be said about uh you know single accounts like that that are working for the greater good but that, that's I, who i like i i totally agree with you on it it does tend to be women and i have to mm. edit i have to edit my emails the whole time mm. to make sure i'm not apologizing yeah. <laughs> asking yeah. for making completely reasonable requests and not doing you know hashtag be kind to the extent that i you know i'm apologizing for for my own existence <laughs> it's, uh, i think it's I, th I think you're right it's completely insidious and women definitely do it a lot more than men finally last but very much not least laura tell me about what's really inspiring you at the moment well, I think we've covered so much ground already, but just to add to that, so on the Google Cloud side, we've been partnering with the Lionesses, so the England's women's national football team. I mean, you cannot get a more inspiring sports team at the moment than the Lionesses. Um, on International Women's Day, we published this amazing video highlighting three fans that we invited to meet the Lionesses to talk about all of the things that make them remarkable and their achievements, obviously, with last summer and the impact it had on the community. I, I urge you to all take a look at it. But one, one thing that we haven't actually mentioned is the I Am Remarkable movement. So it's a, a Google-born movement, which effectively is helping to empower everyone, uh, including underrepresented groups, of course, to celebrate their achievements in the workplace, while also challenging, which I think we've talked a little bit about here with um, Sarah, is that social perception around self-promotion. So female leaders or females in the workplace feeling like you can self-promote and not be embarrassed by that. I, I urge you to check out the hashtag, hashtag I am remarkable, because it's just such a wonderful, inspiring community. Um, so I think for me, those are the things that excite me at the moment in this space. And, and just to wrap up, it's um, Joe. one more time. At this point around w w leadership, um, around what's inspiring us this year, Laura's um, MD, Google Cloud. So we've got the MD for Google Cloud, the MD for YouTube and the MD for Google as of this year are all women. So it's just like a wonderful time to be a woman in this space if you're looking for who to look up to. Um, amazing. Thank you very much, Joe. And thank you, Laura. That I literally could, I mean, I think we're running close to an hour now. I could talk to you all for, for hours. There is so much that we haven't had a chance to dive into, but I thank you all so much for the most inspiring chat. I really, really appreciate your time, all of you, and your, your stories, your personal stories, and your references to all those amazing campaigns that are, are going on at the moment. So thank you all so much. Thank, thank you. you. It's been such a pleasure. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.